0: Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello everyone and welcome along to the late-breaking Formula 1 podcast. Reviewing the 70th anniversary Grand Prix, the first one in 2020, where a Mercedes has not won. Max Verstappen starting in fourth place today, taking the victory for Red Bull. My name's Ben Hocking. Joining me to review the race, as always, Harry and Samuel Sage. Guys, what do you make of that one?
1: Spicy. Love the tyre wear. Bring on more tyre issues, please.
2: Two stops. Roll!
1: Two stops is the name of the podcast now. We are no longer late-breaking. We are called Two Stops.
0: (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Just going to check trademarks on that one before we confirm that decision. But yes, two stops rule. Can't disagree with that whatsoever. So Max Verstappen, like I say, taking the victory after starting on the hard tyres. He led home a Mercedes 2-3. Hamilton ahead of Bottas. We'll be debating that in a little bit. Of course, Bottas starting from pole position. Charles Leclerc for Ferrari finishing fourth. The only Ferrari in the points today. Alex Albon in fifth. Lance Stroll and Nico Hülkenberg, 6th and 7th for Racing Point. Ocon in 8th after starting outside the top 10. And Norris and Danny Cavia rounded out the point scorers. Sam, I'll start with you on this one, starting at the top. Max Verstappen managing to beat Mercedes. We did ask the question in our preview, would softer tyres give Verstappen the edge? Apparently, that, the answer to that was yes. What did you make of his performance? I mean... Come on, Max Verstappen.
1: That was one hell of a drive. Look at the entire grig struggling with that tire. I think Charles Leclerc was the only other man that was realistically having absolute breeze out there. What a drive from that Red Bull team. What a drive from Max Verstappen. He kept it calm, told his, his engineer that he doesn't want to act like a granny, so he's going to strike while the iron is hot. Mercedes saying he's absolutely struggling. As we've seen through hotter conditions, it really is their kryptonite. Max pulled out an absolute blinder. I am so impressed with Max Verstappen here today and it shows why he really is going to be a World Drivers' Champion at some point in the future. It might even be this season. Who knows, depending on temperatures, if things carry on going this way and maybe we have some more tyre interventions that crop up. But that guy's got real talent. I mean, I saw a stat before we came on air. Uh, Max has won eight Grand Prix since 2017. Bottas has won eight Grand Prix since 2017. It's a little shocking considering how good that Mercedes has been Just hats off, absolutely hats off. He's managed those tyres brilliantly. It's almost like Sergio Perez was behind the wheel of that car and they swapped over on the last lap or something. Brilliant drive from Max Verstappen. You love to see it. We want more of it.
0: Ironically, just on the point of Sergio Perez, how gutted would he be to miss out on these two races that have been dictated by tyre wear? Goodness. Um, Max Verstappen, Harry, what did you make of that performance out there?
2: Yeah, it was it was kind of classic Max Verstappen, and I don't know. You you got the sense early on from that radio message about um, uh, Grandma's uh, and not driving like one that he he was just kind of on one today. Like he 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 had the sniff of victory early on when he was keeping me up with the two Mercedes early on in the race. Um, and yeah, he was just I uh, just absolutely on one. Um, it was it was great to see and just great to see someone else challenged the Mercedes and even with that dominant pace in qualifying, they still, they're still beatable at some point. So that's great to see as well. Um, but yeah, Ma- Max was, Max was mighty. I think that first in, in particular was just mega was seemingly like everyone else on the grid was falling away. He was the only one who could manage his tires properly. Well, absolutely. And I think that, that first in was
0: that was the difference maker really because It seemed as if when Bottas and Hamilton came in for their first stops, immediately you think, okay, Verstappen's been on those tyres for quite a while now. These are completely fresh on the cards of Bottas and Hamilton. And suddenly Verstappen is not only matching the Mercedes, he's continuing to outpace them. On tires that are much much older, and I think I think Bottas and Hamilton both struggling is an indication that it's perhaps more car related than it is the two of those drivers being poor at managing them. We we know Hamilton's been very good at that throughout his career, so I think um, I think it's more down to the Red Bull rather than the individual drivers themselves. But uh, taking nothing away, that that first stint opened up the strategy for him, which was the key. Um, I know throughout the first few through the first few points of the race it was a case of okay if Verstappen can one stop this he could be within a chance that first stint enabled him to not only have that as a viable strategy but it also then gave him a two-stop as a viable strategy too so um yeah just just opening the door for both really and even though Verstappen was essentially left to fight on his own against the two Mercedes with not having a rear gunner in that fight that pace was so good that it didn't end up mattering so Really impressive from the Mercedes guys. Uh, Sam, were you disappointed that that the Mercs couldn't keep up in terms of tyre wear?
1: Well, yeah, I am. But at the same time, I'm not. We see the Mercs keep up with everything. Every other race of every other year, since I can remember almost watching Formula 1 at this point now, it's been that long. So you know what? Have a a race where you find it difficult, lads. And it (laughs) it was good to see Mercedes actually try and have to dig deep and do something a bit different and counteract and grow and come up with different strategy elements and try and pitch off the drivers against each other. It was really exciting to watch them have to go down that rabbit hole and come up with something new. So no, full props to Red Bull. You took advantage of a really difficult situation. Your car works better in that scenario. Well, Max's car works better in that scenario. And uh, well done. Well done for taking advantage of it. And you know what, Mercedes? You've been brilliant at 99.9% of all Formula 1 related things for the last God knows how many years. I guess it's time to step up and try and do this one as well. And they probably will. If we get the same tyre compounds coming in for the rest of the season, because Pirelli fancy it, then um, don't be shocked. If within a race or so, Toto has turned the whole thing around and we've got a whole new look Mercedes that works perfectly with those tyres. Those, those engineers, they are fantastic and they will come back fighting. But no, full hats off to Red Bull. I'm more excited by Red Bull's ability to master that difficult strategy than I am about Mercedes' failure. They lost one place technically across the whole thing. Instead of finishing 1 2, they finished 2 3. So for me, it's still a good race for Mercedes. They still grow their, their Constructors' Championship points. They can still technically walk away happy. Bottas might not, but Mercedes will.
0: Yeah. Um,. Harry, do you think with, with Spain coming up next week, Spain in August, um, and then Italy and Belgium coming up as well, still in the summertime, do you think that Mercedes need to almost weather this storm and um, get back to a point where temperatures start to go down again and they're back in their comfort zone?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we might be due a couple of hot races still, with Spain particularly. Um they got. To, they do have to watch out for Verstappen. You know, he's already jumped up to second place in the championship. Um, yeah, I mean, not not to say they should be really worried. That car is still clearly the quickest car on the grid. But if they have a few more races like today, we know that Max is going to be there to to pick up the spoils. So, yeah, they they obviously will want to weather this storm and hope that cooler cooler temperatures return um, pretty quickly because they're not going to want too many repeats of today. A one-off or a couple is okay. But um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, Red Bull are going to be doing... What's the opposite to a rain dance? (laughs) A hot dance, I don't know. But (laughs) Every race, they want to be really, really hot temperatures so they can uh, have a challenge to the the Mercedes cars.
0: Yeah, I think these these cars are are so complex that even with the might of Mercedes, there's always going to be one weakness about a car at least one weakness that is it, you can't build an indestructible car and we've found really that it is the the high temperatures that is this mercedes floor and it is not completely out of character it's something they've been um poor at compared to their rivals in previous years and it seems as if that that has been exacerbated this year and it's it's disappointing really because you know, Mercedes are so good in every other area, but like I say, it's it's very difficult to cover off absolutely everything um, and and ensure you are perfect in absolutely every aspect. So, um, yeah, they'll be disappointed. I think what Mercedes do pretty well is when the situation isn't going their way, they still manage to limit the damage pretty well. Ultimately, they've taken 34 points out of the race today, which is only one fewer than Red Bull did. So it's far from a disaster from their perspective. Um, Sam, do you think it was uh, an
1: oversight from the Mercedes guys to not try and qualify on the hard tyre? 100%. Why would you not try and split that strategy? You know that both your cars are going to be, I mean, even on a bad day, top four. So what What harm have you got by going, you know what, Lewis, you got on the hard tyre, Voucher, you got on the medium. Why not give it a go? If you've seen that Verstappen's managed to get through on that harder tyre, when you saw what happened to tyres in the race last time out, why not have a crack at it? I mean, it was fantastic that we saw such a change in tyre compound choice and not a single car starting on the softest compound. That's the first time ever since Pirelli took over from the, uh, the league manufacturer of tyres for Formula 1. I mean, yeah. give it a go. You saw how... I mean, to be fair... Would it have made much of a difference? Mercedes tore through those hard tyres so quickly. Something is clearly up with that car when it came to those tyre wear. It was not working for them. But uh, I think it was definitely worth a, a split in that strategy, try and combat Red Bull. But once again, Mercedes had the upper hand because Alex Albon is just a little bit too far back. So maybe they thought they'd gotten away with it. But we'll get on to that a little later. Yeah, give it a go. Why not? What harm have you really got? You didn't win the race, so you may have done this time.
0: And I mean, this is something of a prelude to the discussion we'll get into in just a little bit. But splitting the strategy between mediums and hards and which driver goes on to which, Sam, how would you how would you mitigate that? How would you decide who gets what call?
1: I honestly don't know. This is why I'm not Toto. This is why I don't get paid lots and lots of money. Um, And I live in a, a two bedroom flat in Croydon. Um, you know, it's, it could be a lot better, but honestly, that's a tough choice to make. You have to realistically go with, I guess, put Lewis on the hard tires. He's the championship leader. So maybe it's the first say he's technically first driver. I'm going to say he doesn't really lean that way, but that is the case. Um, and we know that Lewis is a little better at saving his tires over Valkyrie, So maybe you swap it then. Maybe you give Lewis the medium, because he's better on the longer runs on the tire wear. So you give Valkyrie the harder compound to manage for longer because it's easier to run on. There's a load of different differential reasons that you can pick up and put down as to why someone should do this and someone should do that. I don't know how they've managed that one, but they managed to do it with a Staffing an album and there was no real complaints there. So I'm sure they could do it at Mercedes.
0: Harry, were you surprised, not only in terms of Mercedes actually, but also with other cars, that there was no attempt to to start on the hard tyre?
2: Um, yeah, I guess it's a little bit surprising. Maybe maybe they just weren't confident enough to, to get it... Um... Through Q two, I mean, I think that maybe went flew under the radar slightly was how good Max's lap was in Q two to 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 get it through. Although to be fair, I guess the hard this week was last week's medium, so they did that as well. So, um, yeah, maybe it is slightly surprising, but I, I that's all I can put it down to is that they were just concerned they wouldn't have made it through, uh, and maybe it was just an oversight too that they thought, well, the soft tire that we're not definitely not going to start on that, so we'll go for the medium when in fact the medium was just as, um, you know, susceptible to, to wear. So, um, yeah, it's a strange one. It just shows that, you know, Red Bull are have always and I guess will always be just, you know, on top of their strategy game. They, you know, they're always the ones to, to do something different. And, and this, this week it's paid off. And I think the the weakness of the medium tyre
0: was really was really evident in the race in, in Max Verstappen's strategy. I think if they had complete control over the strategy and there wasn't a mandatory tyre rule, I think Red Bull would have done 26 laps on the hard tyre, come in for some more hard tyres and done the other 26. I don't think they'd have bothered with the medium tyre. And I think on hindsight, pretty much everyone would have agreed with that. Red Bull put those mediums on Verstappen's car for, I can't remember how many laps it was, but it felt like just a few. Um, it was it was almost as if it was obligatory. They had to do it, um, but if they didn't have to do it, they wouldn't have done. And uh, I am a bit surprised that that Mercedes didn't at least try something. It's a point that Paul de Resta made at the end of end of commentary that, um, you know, these guys all qualified on this tyre last week because it was last week's medium. So, you know, the, the Mercs qualified on it and I'm surprised someone didn't, I, I'm surprised they didn't at least go out there and, and, and try it. Um, you know, they even went out on the soft tyre um, as a kind of dummy run um, at the end of Q2, which um, was never going to happen. They saw Verstappen do it. Um, you know, it, it was fairly evident from early on in the session. So it's not as if they had no time to react to it either. On um, you know, if if it didn't work out though, we would be saying Mercedes have the fastest car. Why did they need? Why did they feel the need to risk anything? So it, it is the benefit of hindsight here, but I, I think it it speaks more to Red Bull's strategic strengths rather than Mercedes strategic weaknesses that they were able to see that this was a viable option, you know. Um I was quite critical of of Red Bull last time out in their decision to pit Verstappen late in the race. But I think nine times out of ten, the Red Bull strategic team, you know, I, I think Hannah Schmitz is is the best in the game in that respect. And and she and they proved it um today. That was um that was remarkable what they were able to achieve. Moving on to Bottas versus Hamilton. So, of course, Bottas got pole position away from Lewis Hamilton on Saturday, but it's Hamilton who ended up ahead. Hamilton remaining in his grid spot of second place, Bottas down two positions to third. Harry, what did you make of the strategic difference between the two drivers?
2: Um, yeah, it's a tricky one for Mercedes because, you know, they don't want to be seen to be favouring anyone, and technically, they had the same strategy, just that, you know, they pitted Hamilton and Bottas at different times. If I was... I Well, I, we saw Bottas after the race. He was pretty miffed about what had happened. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else they could have done. I don't know whether they could have brought Bottas in again to cover off Hamilton, but I don't think that would have worked. Um, and, and they were obviously trying to get the win. And for Mercedes as a team, it doesn't matter which way they get the win, as long as they get the win. And they tried it both ways. They tried with Bottas... Uh, bringing him in the relatively same time as Max, and they tried it with leaving Lewis out. So they threw, you know, as as Mercedes always do, they threw everything at it, and they tried alternate strategies, which they're able to do pretty often because normally both cars are in that in that fight. Um, yeah, I just think it was luck of the draw, and it was just unlucky for for Bottas on this one. He does he didn't have the tyres left to fight Hamilton at the end, um, and it was pretty close in terms of time that, uh, between both of those strategies. So. Yeah, I, I I feel bad for for Bottas. You know, he 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 was probably quicker than Hamilton for most of the race. Um, just his strategy didn't didn't work out for him. Yeah, um, Sam, what did you make of
0: the strategic difference? Do you feel do you feel sorry for Bottas here?
1: Yeah, I'm very much in the same line of thinking. What Harry's just said there, so I won't echo it too much. My only maybe difference in point would be that that Mercedes, in terms of raw pace, and we've seen that strong pace with Bottas. He beat Hamilton to pole. Is faster than Max Verstappen, especially on the same tire. Bottas was stuck at around two seconds behind Max for the entire stint until maybe the last ten laps. I would maybe have hoped that Bottas would have really gone for it. I, even if it causes those tires to shred, you're then going to push Max to defend, to fight, to you know, to have a go. And that could then cause the strategy to change again because you might tear up the Stafford's tires along with it. For me, it's a case of Bottas not being aggressive enough. I know he's struggling around on those difficult tires, but they came out the pit lane at the same time. And Bottas did not close up on Max at all. Max went straight past Bottas, and there was no fight at all there after that, after they were on the same tyres. They were on the same tyres for the same amount of laps, and we saw that when Hamilton came out that pit lane, he was two seconds a lap faster. That shows that the Mercedes always still had that pace. Yes, okay, they were tough on the tyres, but. I just think that Bottas needs to do a little bit more again. Yeah, he was unlucky with the strategy call. Yes, it did benefit Lewis Hamilton more than it benefited Valtteri Bottas. I do think there was an extra 5 or 10% that Bottas could have given to really kind of mitigate the circumstance and stop maybe Hamilton coming past him. Or even more so, cause a fight between himself and and Verstappen up front. Um, So for me, that's the difference maker there. Lewis did exactly what he used to do and played it into the championship points system. He wasn't bothered about beating the staff. He only needed to beat Bottas to mitigate any issues. And Bottas now, because of the lack of aggressiveness and the stretching not going his way, falls into third place in the championship, which is a little embarrassing with how incredibly good that car is. I think
0: with... With the first pit stop where Bottas came in first, obviously he had priority as he was the lead car. Um, I've got no problem with that, obviously. Hamilton came in straight afterwards. No problem with that at all. Um, It's a real shame because I agree with what you said, Harry. I think Bottas was the quicker of the two drivers out there today. Um, That first stint, I think Bottas had the edge. I think he was even slightly better in terms of tyre management early on in the Grand Prix. And I think it is just really bad luck that the strategy ended up not being the not being the best one and not not to say that Hamilton didn't do a great job after he came out of the pits um he did have that tire advantage which he was able to which he was able to take advantage of but yeah I I I think Bottas has just got really unlucky here and I don't think it's Mercedes fault for what they did um if it had worked the other way round, uh, and Hamilton had pit at the same time as Verstappen, and and it was it was Bottas that had gone about eight or nine laps longer, and it hadn't worked out, Bottas would complain, rightfully so, saying that they'd left him out to dry, which was looking like what was going to happen. Um, and I think in normal circumstances. The best strategy is to is to basically split it as as Bottas did. You know his his race was relatively well split between the stints. With Hamilton, he did a longer second stint and and a much shorter last stint, only about ten laps or so. So, yeah, I, I think from from Bottas's perspective, I can understand why he's gutted. You know, through strategy, he has ended up behind his teammate. Um, but again, it's the power of hindsight if you had to you know if you had to guess beforehand which one was going to be the better strategy you don't know mercedes were absolutely in the right with the 2 on 1 advantage to split them they had to do it if they didn't do it we'd be rightfully going after mercedes right now saying that they didn't do everything they could to win this grand prix bottas and hamilton one of them had to stay out longer and see if that was the right strategy and one of them had to cover off max and see if they could make an impression on him as it happened Hamilton was the one that was on the better strategy. Uh, and Bottas, yeah, unfortunately, slipped to third in the championship in a race where, after qualifying at least, he must have thought that he could eat into that lead somewhat. Um, and as it happens, he's, he's lost three points. So disappointing from Bottas' perspective, but uh, I'm not going to go after after Mercedes on this one. Should we move on to driver of the day? Um, Harry, who are you going to go
2: for on this one? um difficult to look past max isn't it to be honest he was pretty mighty uh i'm gonna give it to max because i get to go first which is nice but other, <laughs> other notable mention for me would be um charlotte charlotte again um like last week he outdrove that ferrari didn't deserve to be in fourth place shouldn't have beaten either uh either racing point in my view to be honest so um yeah max for me Charles Leclerc, another strong strong weekend
1: all right. And Sam, who are you going for? Pretty much all the same names that were mentioned there. Max Verstappen, if Harry hadn't picked him, I definitely would have gone for him. I know it's not the rule that we have to have someone different, but it is always nice. Um, again, Charles Leclerc, fantastic drive from him. It's hard to look at the difference between Leclerc and Vettel and just be like, Leclerc is out driving that car. He is dragging that car up. I think that car realistically should be finishing somewhere between seventh and 10th each race and Leclerc multiple occasions now has put it in the top four and good on him for doing so he's really proving his worth in that Ferrari um so I'm gonna give it to Leclerc but I would like to also give a notable mention to Danny Kvyat who came from 16th on the grid I think finished in the points be his teammate who finished I think in P8 um quite a quiet Grand Prix but it all works out well for him and, and he scores points so also a really good drive and the same from Ocon as well Ocon a really good drive as well so um A lot of good drives from the midfield bunch.
0: Yeah, I would pick out those three drivers as well, to be honest with you. Um, And that being Verstappen, Leclerc and Kvyat. Um, Verstappen was sensational and I'm going to give my vote to him. But yeah, Charles Leclerc definitely deserves a mention, finishing eight positions and about 40 seconds ahead of his teammates. Um, uh, And again, yeah, Danny Kvyat, after being knocked out in Q1 yesterday... Um, he had work to do. Uh, And the most impressive thing from Kvyat's perspective is he did it on a two-stop strategy. So, you know, Kvyat was on a two-stop. Behind him, Sainz was two-stopping. Gasly, Vettel, they all two-stopped as well. So it's not as if Kvyat was able to get there on the basis of a one-stop like Ocon did. So, but yeah, fair play to Danny Kvyat, but my vote does go to Max Verstappen. And worst driver of the day, Harry, who's your pick on this
2: one? Um... I sense a certain German driver in red is going to be mentioned a lot. Uh, he wasn't great on that first lap. Um, of course, I mean Sebastian Vettel. But for me, I'm going to go for uh, Daniel Ricciardo. Just a, another bit of a, another rookie era, similar to Vettel, just sort of, sort of dropped it on his own in a car that, well, Ocon you know, finished eighth, I think. Um, you know, and Ricciardo started fifth. Uh, yeah, and was having a good race until that mistake. So I'll go with Ricciardo because I think Vettel's probably going to be mentioned anyway. <laughs> and we will get onto the contrast
0: between the Ferrari drivers in a later topic. Sam, what are you going for here?
1: Oh, this is really difficult. Um, yeah, Vettel does deserve to be mentioned. You can tell that the car he's driving feels like an absolute pig and he's tugging at each ear to go left and right at the moment. <laughs> um, and you feel sorry for him. We, we saw, it and we'll get onto it, but you saw for the first time ever that realistically Vettel told his. His team, you just weren't good enough. I I'm fed up of it. Um, Danny Ricciardo is another great shout. Um, oh, we love Danny Rick, and it's, it's hard to see him drop it like that. But both Vett and Ricardo, two very experienced guys, dropping it on their own is just a little bit embarrassing. When you've got drivers like Latifi, Russell, guys at the back who are scrapping out so hard, who are putting in perfect races time after time after time. And Latifi beat Russell, didn't he? Or did he pit right at the end? He was leading Russell for a lot of the race. I know that anyway. Um, So I think uh, Latifi doing well. Um, Yeah, I'm going to have to just give it to Sebi Vett. But I think there's some mitigating factors in there, but it's still not good enough when your teammate's in fourth place.
0: Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with Sebastian Vettel and I uh, won't waste too much time on this one. Eight eight positions lower than your teammate isn't acceptable. Neither is being 30 seconds off the pace. Uh, You know, Vettel started on that same strategy as Max Verstappen. So theoretically, he had something to work with there uh, and it just didn't happen for him. Um, Yeah, that that first corner spin is just on the one hand, it's amateurish and it's the worst thing is it's it's not a surprise. That's the worst thing for me is that someone who has so many achievements in Formula One, so many accolades has, has done so much for the sport, has such a rookie spin on the first corner of the first lap. And it's not surprising at all because it's what we've become accustomed to see. So, yeah, Sebastian Vettel—he is the worst driver of the day for me. We will move on now to Alex Albon. So, Alex Albon has come under—he's uh, come under some scrutiny in the last few races. Starting ninth place today. Uh, ended up finishing four positions ahead of that in fifth place, came through the field after being the first guy in the field to make a pit stop. Sam, what did you make of his race?
1: So, for those listening on the podcast, you'll have just heard that Ben was not happy with Vettel finishing 30, 40 seconds behind his teammate. There's a lot of praise on Twitter for Alexander Albon, and yes, he's a lovely guy, so that I mean, that doesn't mean you can't be critical of someone just because they're lovely. I, too, think Alexander Albon is lovely. He's a very nice chap. But he's finished 40 seconds behind his teammate in the car that has won the race. The guy not only starts and struggles for the first little bit of the race, you know, can't get through traffic. His teammates jumped a car and he's now fighting them the Mercedes. He's all the way back there in ninth place fighting around on the on the preliminary points positions. Your teammate goes on and wings by 10 seconds over one of the most dominant cars we've ever seen in Formula One. It's, yeah, he put some good overtakes in. Good for him. He should be putting good overtakes in, in a car that is destroying the rest of the field that race. People are praising these moves left, right and centre. I'm glad he's getting them done. But That's what I expect of the second seat in Red Bull. You should be getting those moves done in a car that should be first and second. If he was up to Verstappen's pace, not better, just able to be close to him They would have had a 1-2 today because Red Bull were on it. Red Bull had that ability today. And Albon let that slip again. And you look at the points table. His teammate has moved into second place, and he's got even close to the top four. It's not good enough from Albon. I'm sorry. I've tried to be polite about it. A lot of people get frustrated about it. But he needs to be doing more. That one lap pace on a Saturday is what Gasly's doing. He was beaten by Gasly, I mean, as was Verstappen. But I can forgive Verstappen with the performances he puts in on the Sunday. Albon doesn't even climb back up to anywhere near as close. So Albon needs to get it together. I'm glad they're giving him time. I'm glad that they're letting him have that time. I'm hoping it comes together for him. But if he does another whole season of this, then what more What more can Red Bull do? It's, it's a really difficult situation to be in. But Albon, again, for me, despite all the overtakes, not really doing enough.
0: Harry, what do you what do you reckon? Were you impressed by
2: some of the moves that Albon put out there today? Quite a few go into cops. Yeah, I mean, Ben, we spoke about this before we started recording and you made the point that it's classic Albon that it would be at the most dangerous point to make an overtake around the outside of Cops, not just once, like about four or five times. Um, I think he had... I agree with Sam. He should not be so far behind uh, Max. Um, but I, I do think he had a relatively good race in terms of c- climbing back up. I think where where it's really letting him down is qualifying currently. He's, he's sort of nowhere in comparison to Max when it comes to qualifying. So I, I do think maybe if he can pick up his qualifying pace and be closer to Max there, then that might benefit him during the race. He made a slightly different strategy work well. In the end, he finished P5. Um, but yeah, he's obviously got to be closer to Max to keep that seat. But I still think that Red Bull, if they, if he continues to you know make places up in the race, be slightly impressive, making those moves. I do think they'll they'll still keep him. To be honest, and he did beat Gasly, which is obviously the minimum he should be beating Gasly. Um, shouldn't be being outqualified by Gasly. But um, yeah, uh, it was it was a um, it was a good recovery. It's not you know I'm not like as Sam said the people on Twitter you know bleating on about how amazing it was that he finished fifth because he should be he should be Max needs a rear gunner in that fight against mercedes some uh, more often than not he loses out to a mercedes fight because he's got to deal with two of them so he needs someone else there so they can red bull can do something else with with the strategies so yeah he's got to be closer it was i think it was slightly more encouraging today um but still still more more work to do for alex
0: yeah i think fortunately enough uh, albon's perspective and indeed red bull's perspective is that if hamilton had been just that bit quicker on that Last stint, and he ended up overtaking Max Verstappen and winning the Grand Prix. The spotlight would be a lot heavier on Alex Albon, saying, "Well, if Alex Albon was in the picture, maybe that strategy can't happen, and Verstappen wins the race." Fortunately, from his side, that didn't happen, and Max was able to cover both of them. But there are going to be plenty more races where that isn't the case, uh, and Max Verstappen does need someone. He needs that protection. Um, I'll I'll be positive about Alban to start with because it's not going to end positive. Um <laughs> the moves that he made in isolation were very good out there. Um, you know, he made a couple of belting moves into cops, made a couple around the outside of Stowe. Um he was effective with those moves. He was efficient. the one on Kimi Räikkönen, was was absolutely fantastic. Belting, Um,
1: absolutely belting move.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I think Albon, when when it doesn't all go wrong, can make these incredible overtakes. And it's one of the main areas of criticism of Pierre Gasly when he was at Red Bull is that he wasn't making these types of moves. And Albon did make those moves, so fair play to him. And to say, actually, to defend him slightly in qualifying as well, because he was a few temps off the mark. And whilst I don't think that's necessarily acceptable, I think that difference is being, um, is, is being highlighted in a way that wasn't the case with Gasly last season as well, in that the Red Bull last season, Alex Albin could afford to be three or four temps slower than Max Verstappen and still claim a comfortable sixth place. The problem is now that the Red Bull, in terms of qualifying, is very similar to the racing point, to the McLaren, to the Ferrari, to the Renault, to the Alfa Tauri this weekend. So three temps is now not responsible for one place. It's often responsible for three or four places, and that's extra moves he needs to make in the race. So from that, I'd just say on on that point, you know, for fairness to put that in there. The, the problem is, going back to those overtaking moves, he shouldn't have to make them. That's That's the problem. Max Verstappen went out there and won. He didn't have to make all of these moves because he was already ahead of the people that Alex Albon was making moves on. It, it's almost being like the best football team at scoring equalizing goals. It's like great, but you, you're losing in the first place. That's not good. You want to be. You don't want to need to score equalizing goals. You want to be winning anyway. Uh, and Alex, that's the problem with Alex Albon here is that moves on Kimi Räikkönen are great, but. When Verstappen's 40 seconds up the field and needing help in a fight against Mercedes, it's no good. Um, He just, and I I think I said this at the end of the last race, really, he just needs a weekend where he is within a tenth or two on qualifying and finishes within, I'll I'll say, 10 seconds. I'll I'll extend to 15 seconds at the end of the race. I, I think that's more than fair enough to expect someone to finish within 15 seconds of a teammate. He needs a consistent weekend where he he proves himself in that respect. Because these flashy moves are, are brilliant, and they need to be made in the position that he's in. But don't be in that position in the first place. Sorry, Alex, I do love you. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Scathing, I, I do mean that as well. I, Alex is one of my favourite drivers on the grid, so it, it, it does it, it does hurt that you have to say things like that. But there's no point in in masking the truth here. You know that there's the. the, the <laughs> The, the the results don't lie the timing sheets don't lie he's 40 seconds behind his teammate that
1: our our feedback comes from a place of constructive criticism because just how much we like albon uh, you know that that really is the truth between between a between lot of us we are big fans of his and it is difficult to see someone who has so much potential get praised for being mediocre at times
0: uh, yeah and and ultimately the criticism would be the same regardless of whether it was the other way around whether it was uh, two other random drivers on the grid You, you can only look at it based on based on the facts rather than the the personalities um that's how you have to look at it um moving on to ferrari because this is another case where one driver was quite uh, a long way up the road than the others. So Charles Leclerc finishing P4. Sebastian Vettel, I think about 30 seconds or so behind, out of the points again in P12. Um, Harry, is, is this again a, a worrying sign for Vettel?
2: Yeah, uh, undoubtedly. Um, I know there's been talk of maybe there's something wrong with his car, like they, they might change his chassis, but I just think it's it's mentally... Uh, I don't think he's checked out. I just don't think he's he's there in the team and he needs... I don't know who tweeted it. Someone said he desperately needs a control-alt-reset, control-alt-delete-reset, which I think he does. I think he needs a different environment. And there was a pretty punchy radio message from Seb about the strategy. I think they they plonked him back out in behind that queue of the two Renaults and McLaren and something, at a Haas or something. Um, And he, he wasn't happy about it. And he said, you've messed up. Well, we don't. I don't think I've ever heard Seb, you know, publicly call out uh, his team like that before. Um, so I just think it, it's a messy divorce they're going through now. He, he's clearly annoyed at the at the team for 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 dumping him so unceremonious, um, unceremoniously, um, and I just don't think his confidence is there. I mean, we've seen him spin before, but never never like that on you know the first corner where it was just a very rookie. Ricky mistake from Seb um yeah it's it's not good enough and well it's not confirmed if he's going to racing point I think the rumors are that it's likely he will I just pray that that is the reset he needs it's the like he had in 2014 when he left Red Bull pretty you know pretty uh, low and went to Ferrari and was you know re- rejuvenated and ended up winning the second race I just hope that's what's happened happening here and we're not witnessing the slow decline of a of a great driver Sam, what did you make of the 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 gap between the Ferrari drivers out there?
1: Well, I can't say one thing about Albon and the and not say the other about Vettel and Leclerc. It it wasn't good enough. Sorry, Vettel spins like an absolute rookie on the first corner of a race. What we always say, you can't win a race on the first on the first corner on the first lap. It doesn't really it doesn't often happen. And what's he trying to do? He's in he's in the big field. He's stuck his car where it doesn't really belong at that point after his teammate locks up in front of him, runs fully onto the grass, spins it, every other car lucky to not collect him at that point. And then it's tough, right? So he's obviously frustrating at that point. And then he comes onto the radio after he's been stuck in traffic and goes, this is your fault. This is... And how rarely how, how rarely do you hear an F1 driver literally blame a team like that for a fault like this? This is your fault. Not, not like, oh, what are we doing? Like, what's the next step? Like, how do we fix this? What's going on? It You've done this. You've messed up. And Harry was right in saying it is a messy divorce. This is wrong. But if you don't spin, Seb, you probably don't lose the good 10, 15 seconds that you put you back in that traffic for a start. That won't help. Um, so that, that would be great, really. And then, you know, even with like, Sainz having an issue in the pit stop, he was held up and also had a slightly issue with Ty. He's still behind him as well. So if you don't spin, you're in front of that group. You're finishing in the points, Seb. You're costing yourself points there by having another rookie spin and we used to take the mickey a little bit out of you know sebastian Vettel spinning it became a bit of a joke you know he could perform under pressure with wheel-to-wheel racing and he'd lose the back end a little bit but now it's becoming like a regular thing he's facing the wrong way around like one every three or four races he's a four-time world champion the man if michael schumacher and lewis hamilton didn't exist would be the highest race winner of all time and look at him he's becoming a formula one meme I I want Sebastian Vettel to be the best that he can be. The man is lightning quick when he is what he can do, you know. But you're comparing him against a two-time winner, a rookie, essentially. He's only been in the sport for two and a half years. And Charles Leclerc is driving the absolute nuts and bolts of that Ferrari. And yes, I know that a team can set up a car in terms of development that focuses slightly more on one drive than the other. We've seen it with Red Bull now we're seeing it with Ferrari. Understandably, they're going to focus more on what Leclerc wants. But I'm shocked to see a 30 to 40 second gap across a race distance with a four-time world champion. Get him to a different team. Get him doing something new. The man needs to have a smile on his face because this is horrible to watch. I'd be shocked if he makes it to the end of the season driving that Ferrari car because it is appalling stuff.
0: I mean... Charles Leclerc 57 points Sebastian Vettel 10 points I think that that speaks volumes as to what's been happening this season and Charles Leclerc in the in the five races we've had has finished in the top 4 on three occasions none for Sebastian Vettel to this point um you know Charles Leclerc today scored more points than Sebastian Vettel has scored all season um and uh, yeah that, that 30 second gap it's unacceptable and yeah, the spin we've already gone through is 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 not is unbecoming of someone of his stature and of his achievements, and um, is is not something you'd expect from an F two driver, let alone a four time world champion in Formula One. And Charles Leclerc walking away with this, I think for me the most frustrating thing about this is because that strategy put him in a good place to succeed. We saw that Charles Leclerc was able to go... I can't remember how many laps it was exactly, but Charles Leclerc was able to pull off a one-stop race after starting on the medium tyre. We saw how good Max Verstappen was on the hard tyre starting on that compound. And Sebastian Vettel had the scope to do the same thing. He was on that hard tyre starting in 11th place. Now, I mean, theoretically... I actually think that is a better position than some of the guys who started on medium tires in about seventh and eighth. I think he had a really good opportunity to go very long on that first stint, which he didn't really, um, and then you know sh- switch to the medium tires and go to the end. Um, a- again, they, they decided to pit him, and yeah, I, th- I don't think the team are blameless here because they decided to pit him uh, for hard tires, basically writing off the one-stop strategy straight away. Um, you know, you at least keep that option open, even if even if it's not open um, to you. I mean, it might still appear open to others, prompting different strategic calls that are that are not the best for the other teams. So, I, I think this is um, this is a messy divorce. I, it, it's the right phrase to use here because the team are letting Sebastian Vettel down. Sebastian Vettel's letting the team down. Um, neither side is getting what they want here, uh, and Sebastian Vettel. I mean. It, it's embarrassing. It is really embarrassing. And, um, I mean, moving on to what to expect from him next, because we have seen those rumors about him going to Racing Point. They've accelerated quite a bit in the last few weeks. Uh, Harry, how concerned should Racing Point be that this is not, uh, this is not environment related and this is related purely to his driving skill?
2: Um, I know I I think I don't buy that. I think it is environment related. I just think Seb, I, he's not lost it. He's not forgotten how to drive a car quickly. I mean, it was, you know, it was only a year ago he was going, getting a pole in Canada. He he won in Singapore. Um, I don't think that he's forgotten that. I just think he, as a driver, his head has got to be in the right place. So I think we saw it at Red Bull in twenty fourteen. And he just needs he he just needs a different environment. Whether Racing Point is the right environment, I don't know. Um, I'm I'm sure you know the guys at Racing Point are maybe concerned about this potential new driver. He he's not very quick at the moment, but I just think yeah, Vettel with a reset will be just a different driver to who he is now. Um, and I guess when, when once you're in that rut of lack of confidence, it's very difficult to drag yourself out of it, no matter how good a driver you are. Um yeah, I, I I I do think that a new environment at Racing Point will, will change Seb. Um
0: yeah. Sam, do you think that Racing Point have any reason to be
1: concerned here about the decision that they take? Mm, I'm gonna go with no and I'm gonna agree with Harry. I'm you, you don't suddenly lose the ability to be a four time world champion. I think History has shown to repeat itself, and this is a classic case where when a team was formed around Sebastian Vettel in the, in the world of Red Bull, he thrived. He was on top of the world. That man could do anything with a race car. He could beat the very best. And Mark Webber wasn't happy about it, but he was a number two driver, and the focus was never wrong, Mark Webber. Uh, not bad for a, a number two driver, as Crofty said, 8,312 times across <laughs> this race weekend. Thank you. It was pain, so painful. Um, But Vettel absolutely thrived. And then Webber retires, and they bring in Daniel Ricciardo, a young up-and-coming guy who has got pace to burn. And in his first season, beat Sebastian Vettel, because it's not the status quo for Sebby Vettel. He's no longer got a race-winging car in terms of taking the championship. And all of a sudden... He's got a youngster who's dragging performance out of that car and he beats him. And Sebastian Vettel doesn't like it, leaves, goes to Ferrari, where he's then up against Kimi Räikkönen, the man that has not had pace to burn, to use the same expression, for what feels like seven to eight years now. You know, he's he's gone. He's just a a man who can deliver a consistent race. And again, the team form entirely around Sebastian Vettel. They build the car that he wants. And Kimi's not a complainer, really. Kimmy just gets on with the job and they allow that focus to be around Vettel. And and Vettel must seem like Ferrari's savior for a while. And again, he almost had that championship for him until he did fluff it at the end, I think, what, 2018. And then, as Harry just mentioned, he gets a a pole in Canada. Should possibly have rightly got the win in Canada. Gets the win in Singapore. You know, was possibly going to get the win in Russia before all chaos formed. He was going to do great in Brazil. Um, He he had talent to burn at the end of last season. He had, had, had brilliance coming out of that car last season. But Leclerc beats him and Ferrari have a change of heart. And they see a new focus. They see a new future, a new hope, to quote Star Wars. And and then it's gone again. It's gone again for him. The new youngster has taken kind of the head of the team. He isn't the focus anymore. The car isn't built to his liking 100%. And we see it drop, but this drop is meteoric in comparison to what happened at Red Bull. He was still had that almost like that fight in him, but here it's like I've, the Ferrari dream has been crushed for him. And this was his dream in Formula 1, was to win championships with Ferrari. And it's not going to happen for him, and I think that's hurt him even more in terms of morale. So Leclerc is the focus. Vettel is like the old you know, the mentor who is so brilliant but he's just got nothing left to give to quote Ian Beals. A lot of quotes come out.
2: Why wow, this is this is a mega quote uh, heavy explanation.
1: <laughs> but I think I think that's it. I think at going to Racing Point to be Aston Martin, the focus will be around him. Lance Stroll will learn from Sebastian Vettel. And yes, it will be Lance Stroll who is team who is his teammate. Um, they will they will learn from him they will build the car around him for a couple of seasons Vettel will then retire Lance Stroll will then probably take the helm or they'll get someone else in, who knows I can't predict the future, I wish I could um, and I reckon it'll be good for him I don't know if we'll ever see Sebastian Vettel win a race ever again but I do hope that we see him able to fight competitively where his car's performance actually belongs
0: um, I think racing point would be foolish to be anything but a little bit concerned um, I think they, they rightfully would have concerns at this point because I could see this going both ways. I could very easily see it going the way of he needs to get out of that Ferrari environment and then when he gets into the Racing Point slash Aston Martin environment, it, it works for him and he's able to get back to the old Seb. Again, wouldn't be surprised if it was the other way around. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to Racing Point, continues to make these errors uh, and suddenly they're looking at Sergio Perez not being in that seat anymore. Although I still think there is a chance that it will be Perez and Vettel. Um, I, they'll look at that seat and think, "Wow, we had Sergio Perez, who is not error free, but has done a really good job for the team for so long." Um, and, and they're going to look at that and say, it, "You know, if Seb makes continues to make errors. They're going to regret the decision." And yet maybe, maybe it doesn't end up that I'm not sure, but I could see both happening. That's the point. And they should have their concerns and they should really think about this decision. I, I stand by. I don't think Vettel could go into that seat and do a better job than Perez. I really don't. And Sebastian Vettel, if this was a one-off, like is it, if 2020 was a complete anomaly, fair enough. The problem is this has been going on for a few years now. You know, 2017 was a pretty good year for Seb. I'll leave that one out. But 2018... He was in the championship fight. He was quick, don't get me wrong, but he made errors. He made a lot of errors that year. 2019, you know, he was, I think, fewer errors in overall, but he was beaten by a rookie teammate. And, and, you know, the environment at that point, Vettel still got his future ahead of him at Ferrari. He's got no idea that the contract isn't going to be offered to him. He's got no idea that Leclerc's going to be the future and that there's no space for Vettel whatsoever. At that point in time, coming off a year where they had a, had a had a car to win a championship, there's still plenty of optimism there. And he still couldn't beat Charles Leclerc. It's only really this year where the environment's gone sour due to the situation contractually between Vettel and Ferrari. So um, I don't think this is completely down to environment. And I think this is somewhat down to Seb's driving. You know, you, you're right in what you say. You don't forget how to drive overnight. So there is, I think there is some environmental play in that. However, I just don't believe that's 100% of the issue at play here. Whether Sebastian Vettel is regressing very early in his career, it would be extraordinarily early considering what Hamilton is able to do at three years older than him. Um, Whether whether it is environment, I, I don't know. But it's not happening for him. And I think Racing Point would at least be foolish to not consider keeping Perez ahead of him. Can't wait for Vettel to win the championship
1: next year. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will do something ridiculous if that happens. No, but the, I not promise that. No, but the fans can name it. The listeners name it. I'll, if it's, if it, I mean, if it's going to cause me harm, I'm not going to do it. But <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a lot of people out there that would like to cause me harm. Um, but anything silly,
0: I'll do it. All right, so that is confirmed. If Sebastian Vettel does win the championship next year, Sam will be getting Grazie Ragazzi on his arm as a tattoo. Um, <laughs> thank you for confirming that, Sam. Um, I'm pretty sure all the listeners did hear that. Yep. yep. They're all saying yes. <laughs> Good stuff.
1: Can't wait. Please don't. Please don't do it, Sam. <laughs> don't do it. No, oh, please don't do it.
0: All right, well, on that... I don't even know what to call that note. I think we should get out of here. Sam, if you wouldn't mind, doing in the honours.
1: Well, folks, we'd love to know what you think about the vessel situation, about the Albano situation, and, of course, all the results from the race. Get over and contact us on Twitter at El Breaking. We're always talking about F1 great to have you on every platform. Share the podcast if you liked it. Let us know what you thought. And, of course, we will be back for the preview of the Spanish Grand Prix later on in the week. In the meantime, I've been Samuel saying...
0: Stade. I've been Ben Harkin. And I've been Harry E. And remember, keep breaking light.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.